Hello and welcome to another episode of the Account Experience Podcast. Yeah, it's the podcast where we look and see where B2B businesses measure their customer experience and just, well, make customer magic out of it. And today we're talking to a company that is probably one of the oldest companies we've had on the podcast, founded in 1858. Yeah, we're talking to Wajax, in, in particular Justin Warren, who's the Senior Vice President at Wajax, who's responsible for the entire industrial parts and engineered repair services businesses of the company. I hope I've got that right, Justin. You can correct me in a minute. Yeah. But uh, this is a new role because just before that, you've been working in the voice of the customer and you've been using customer gauge, full disclosure, to, to bring that in. And today we're really keen on finding out what happened. And um, just before I get to Justin, I'd like to say hello to Kerry, my wingman today. How are you doing, Kerry? Doing wonderful. Hello, everyone. Kerry Self is a regular on the Account Experience podcast. I'm actually in his shoes. He, I took over from him. Gary's got more experience in the customer experience field than anyone I know. And he heads up our education division. And part of, by the way, what we do is, um, you know, it's really one of our missions, isn't it, Gary, to bring education to the masses about what we do. Yeah, definitely. The more you know, the more empowered you are to help it grow. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. But, and that's a really good segue into Justin. Hello, Justin. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate the opportunity to talk on your podcast. And as an avid listener, uh, it's nice to be able to participate and discuss with you our journey today. Well, I think you've got a fantastically successful program. So I really want to dig into that today. But the first thing I would like to do is to ground it for everybody. So for those who don't know, uh, and those people who've not looked at your website, which is, by the way, full of guys with hard hats on and big machines that Kerry and I really want to drive. <laughs> tell us, can you tell us a little about Wajax, about the company you, you, you work for? Yeah, sure. So um, Wajax, we describe ourselves as really a leading industrial products and services provider, uh, serving B2B customers um, in the construction, resource, industrial and re- renewable spaces right across Canada. Uh, We really organize ourselves around 10 major product categories um, uh, for an integrated uh, distribution model. Um, I won't go through all of the 10, but I mean, it's pretty much everything from uh, some of the heavy equipment, such as uh, multi-million dollar mining shovels uh, that you described earlier, right through to uh, industrial mill supplies and just about everything in between, but really focused on um, providing an integrated distribution model to uh, based around the needs of our customers and those segments that I talked about. Yeah, it seems that a lot of your customers are what I would describe as ice road truckers. Is that I hope that's not unfair because I'm so full of admiration for those guys. But is it is that you know that kind of like rough outback? industrial digging stuff out of the ground stuff is that a fair characterization yeah i mean our, our customers are you know are very hard-working people that um um yeah our customers really range um from everything through to uh, the mining spaces renewables people working in forestry and a lot of the resource-based industries going across canada um, but increasingly, you know, we're finding and uh, continuing to grow in, uh, you know, certain renewable spaces and the, uh, the servicing and repair of um, uh, new areas such as uh, wind, for example. And if we dig into that, sort of the services that you're offering your customers, I mean, what is that? I guess it's pretty time critical that you have to offer these, these customers. Time is money. Can you give us a characteristic of the sort of services you might be doing? 
Yeah, yeah. So, so it's so broad because uh, the product we're offering that we um, provide to the market is so broad. I gave you the kind of two extremes there. So, I mean, a core principle at Wayjax is really that we service everything um, that we sell. Uh, so, from a heavy equipment perspective, um, you know, we have a number of locations really across the country. I have more than 100 locations, and they would span from, you know, everything from a simple stocking location. Uh, to make sure that we've got product closer to our customers and we're able to uh, service them locally, just given the scale uh, clearly of Canada, uh, through to a full-scale service facility uh, where we would be perhaps repairing a piece of equipment, uh, would be doing a pre-delivery inspection of a piece of equipment, uh, through to detailed um, engineering repair services where uh, we may be working on a customer site, uh, you know, really with a focus on how we can optimize um, their equipment, their efficiency, and really their uptime. So it really is as broad as that. You've been using Net Promoter as a key indicator of your, I guess, your customer satisfaction or your customer's loyalty. Um, how does that manifest itself? How do you, you know, what is what does good service or a good Net Promoter score feel like for a, for one of your clients? Yeah, so, um, you know, we've been tr- we're trying to be very focused in our approach. I mean, we started this journey back at the end of 2017. And I think like many companies, you know, we had a, you know, I think we have a pretty good idea of some of our strengths and, uh, and our weaknesses. But we really wanted to start down the journey of really trying to uh, more clearly measure and articulate um, what our customer journey is through our four major uh, different types of way that our customers um, would interact with us, either through uh, parts uh, or purchasing a part, purchasing a piece of equipment, um, uh, providing a uh, shop-based service or a build-based service. So mapping out those uh, journeys, really trying to understand uh, what are the, the critical interaction points within those journeys, and then uh, measuring how uh, we're performing in the minds of our customers at each of those uh, clear interaction points and then um, overlaying that really all with uh, an overall net promoter score to understand customer satisfaction. So that's a, that's a kind of broad approach to it. That's great. Now, I'm really interested in finding out how you made your personal journey to this because you you kicked off the program. You, and I'd love to find out how you got into it. And as we go through that, you know, what you've been learning from that. Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, you know, this is an area that I've always been very, very passionate about. And to give you some idea of the kind of size and scale of what we're talking about, uh, you know, business such as such as Wayjax, I mean, we have something like 700,000 transactions with our customers a year. And, you know, really when we, when we think about it, you know, depending on, you know, some of those, that uh, there may be uh, an average of say three to four different interactions that we might have with a customer um, through that individual journey to the point of purchase. So you know there's there's somewhere in between three and four million different customer interactions that our teams have each year with our customer base. So um, you know the importance of uh, making sure that we provide consistently a good experience for our customers. Uh, was something that's um, you know really important to us and, and very uh, passionate about, and um, 
And and I think as as well, something that our whole team was very engaged in, I think one of the things that probably really helped us as well is, um, you know, our teams on the ground are extremely customer focused. So there was actually a, a real kind of natural desire to really um, uh, develop a program based around measuring customer satisfaction, but then a real desire to see and understand, well, how are we doing locally? How are we doing at a branch level? How are we doing nationally? How does my region compare to another region? But most importantly, you know, measuring the data is one thing. Um, the most important thing to, to us is, you know, what you do with it and how do we kind of focus our efforts as an organization around some very specific improvement priorities that our customers value. Yeah. Uh, you know, you think about, first off, if you haven't visited the website, go to the website. Adam's right. Because we're not talking about like burgers or, or, or a hammer or something small. We're talking huge investment, right? That's very mm. critical to these businesses. It's at yeah. another level. And, you know, and, I, and I, I remember when we talked last, we talked about building this from the ground up. I don't know if that was a pun that was intended or not. But, you know, you literally built it from the, the, the ground up. And it was this whole new premise of, you know, that voice of the customer, how important it is. So I guess hearing you talk and I hear your passion and I always love hearing you speak about it, but how did you make this important to the rest of the organization? I, I know it was important for you and mm-hmm. you saw the value of it and we'll get to leadership here in a minute, but how did you get the team bought in? How did you get them to see the importance in this? Well, you know, I kind of see this as a journey and, um, and, and I think, you know, there was that underlying uh, recognition, you know, this is very much a people business, uh, it's very much a service business, and the quality of the service that our people can provide uh, is absolutely critically important. But I think, you know, one of the things that really kind of sets us apart at that, at that ground level is just that um, predisposition to providing a great customer experience. So to me, that was kind of half the battle. In, in terms of get driving the engagement, in terms of some of the very specific things that we did, um, you know, we're continually educating our team all of the time. Um, you know, we th- this has over time really become ingrained as part of our culture. We want people to really um, uh, work around um, the voice of the customer program using a common language, a common understanding. Uh, we spent a lot of time training our individual teams so they can understand the program understand how to interpret the results is something that we talk about all of the time on our monthly uh, all employee calls and town halls. So really any opportunity to um, increase the visibility of the program um, and, um, and, and really share some of the results, um, both good and bad, uh, you know, because no organizations and no organization is perfect. Um, has, has really helped us to kind of propel that forward. But because we have a very kind of customer-centric culture at our core, um, you know, that, that journey was, was, was actually pretty easy and there was a lot of thirst uh, for understanding of the, uh, of the results and how we're doing individually and as a company. Yeah, you know, you used a couple of words in there that just really gets me fired up. Education, communication, um, yep. share results and we're big on transparency right the more you bring into that loop so and, and i know i'm gonna ask this this is, this is a loaded question right but i guess everyone was bought in from day one like everyone was fired up and excited to see that out there or did you receive some resistance from the team 
Yeah, so um, I think what really helped us, to be perfectly honest, is, you know, the kind of, I'd say the first year, we really focused on measurement and really kind of getting that baseline and making sure that we have, you know, a sufficient kind of proportion of our customer base covered. What we did really in the second year was, um, you know, really, really um, cool experiences that we, you know, we have more than 100 locations um, across the country. And based on the overall feedback, um, so there's three specific areas of focus that we wanted to look at. Um, we really uh, worked with each individual location to build an action plan specific around those three areas in order to drive that improvement on the ground. And I think that was one of the things that really kind of, um, you know, it's one thing, you know, somebody going through a course and maybe doing some training, but when you actually get to kind of live it and have to build an action plan and see, okay, but how is this going to be relevant uh, to my particular branch location? Um, then it kind of made it more real for everybody. And we went through that process, um, you, you know, really through the second year. Um, you know, as we progressed further than that, and we have that, I think, really good baseline of, first of all, understanding the program, uh, making sure that we're driving clear actions from it. You know, really, you know, from, from this point forward, it's really been about, um, you know, refining the program. You know, a key area where I think, you know, that we love the work that Customer Gauge does and where we're very well aligned is a clear focus of us is what we call our key accounts program. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, the traditional approach from, you know, an industrial company is very, uh, you know, just a B2B approach. I mean, but we're, we're more living in a B2B to C where, you know, a lot of our work is really understanding, okay, we're our major customers um, you know, you, you might be talking about 100 or 200 people, not just one company, and really understanding our strengths and weaknesses, both from an overall perspective with that particular account, but then also really trying to drill down in terms of, okay, well, what are, what are our strengths and weaknesses with different people within that account? That's where we're really trying to uh, develop and advance the program further. So, you, you know, we're continuing to uh, try and build on more layers of advancement and, um, and and really recognize, okay, if we want to grow as a business, then, you know, the kind of first step in that journey is making sure that we have um, really good customer metrics because it's kind of hard to grow an account if there's some underlying issues there as well. So um, over time, it's, it's, it's become a key part of our, uh, of our growth strategy as well. Yeah, I, I you hit our key points and, and, and I could write a playbook on that, Adam. I'm feeling it. It's perfect. But really taking that first year to measure, right? We talk about this with customers all the time. It's, you know, really listen and understand. Then you have that strategy of that second year and going out and specific plans. That's one of the things in account experience that I think some people get hung up on. They think it's a it's just a formulated cookie cutter solution. And it's like, no, these business to business relationships are dynamic and you need to understand everyone that's involved in it and, and have specific actions. Yeah, I yeah absolutely. I, I, I'm going to unpack it a bit more because I also want to, want to, want to pressure you on that, Justin. I, um, you know, you're, you're saying that you didn't try to boil the ocean in year one, I think is quite powerful because when we, when we, you know, my experience with customers is like, well, why can't we just get going straight away? And there's this, you know, culture shift that has to take place. And, you know, you said about using it for key account managers. I've met some key account managers in my life and 
well, they have big egos and they're like, I know everything I know about the customer. So you've got this, you know, you've got a tool that aids them, but also is confronting them with the feedback. So, you know, how did you, can you give us some examples about how you were able to get that to stick in the business? And, and not really- Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I go back to the, the fundamental, I mean, linking it to, uh, you know, dollars and cents. I mean, we've found uh, one of the things that we've communicated very widely and uh, it, it's borne out in our sales results each year that, uh, you know, a promoter at Wajax or a promoter customer spends more than twice as much mm-hmm. as a detractor. And, 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 and that is a powerful um, tool and really kind of driving the requisite focus that, okay, we need to shift more of our customers to the in the uh, promoter side of the uh promoter side of the camp, um, you know, there's a real tangible business value in terms of being able to do that. Well, Justin, let me just see if I got that right. You say a promoter is worth twice as much as a detractor. How did you come, first of all, how, I'm blown away by that, but you've got such a sort of simple but great mnemonic on that one. How, first of all, how did you calculate that? And second, how is that accepted in the business? Is that now, you know, rule of thumb that works? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's something that um, we've been able to uh, compare all of our transactional data and uh, revenue and tie it back, back to individual customers um, in customer gauge who've, who've actually responded and the account revenue that they represent. So it was a fairly simple calculation, but it's something, you know, since we first measured that, uh, I think back at the end of uh, 2018, uh, the first full year of driving the program, it's been a measurement that's really uh, stuck fairly consistently. In fact, I think the gap between the amount of annual revenue spent by a promoter versus a detractor, that gap has actually increased over time, which is uh, interesting as well. But I think that's one of those, you know, simple messages that we've shared in the organi- with the organization that that's, that's helped to be, you know, going back to your original question of, you know, how we've been able to get engagement that I think is something simple that's resonated. Oh, I love that, and that, but that's also well accepted in the business. I mean, again, you've got these 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 tough sales directors that have got an ego. They don't always like to be shown what the customers are thinking, but they get it. Is that like uh, you know well accepted? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think one of the things that you know for me the value of the program is not only the measurement of um, customer satisfaction and our baseline. I think what we're just seeing increasingly as we've gone through this journey in terms of the value is actually the follow-up. You know, it's those customers who are, I mean, we do a telephone follow-up with every single detractor and every single passive um, with an outside organization to really try and provide more context around, um, you know, the specific issue that they face. And I think, you know, that's one of the ways that we've been able to engage the team because, um, that's really created another contact point or an opportunity to interact with a customer. And those always end up as good conversations because even though the customer may have originally been dissatisfied, um, the fact that, first of all, uh, their information didn't go into a black hole, somebody actually read that feedback. Not only did somebody read that feedback, somebody actually took the time to follow up and, and call the customer and then the third step in the process is to feed that back to our local sales and branch management yeah. team. And then we have to work through and, and, and drive an individual uh, close-the-loop process on each one. So it might be something as simple as, 
Um, maybe it's a learning opportunity for the specific location. Or maybe there's something a little bit more systemic that we need to go out and fix. So again, it's a way of, you know, while we have these, these kind of broad areas of focus that we always want to drive continual improvement from from an overall perspective, it's a way of kind of localizing the input, the information and feedback and making it very, very specific. And again, I think, um, you know, without talking for, but, um, uh, you know, our team, that, that's something that certainly helped to, to in, from my view, drive engagement. I love hearing that. You're really talking our language. That whole thing about going back to customers, that closing the loop is that virtuous circle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that's the, uh, you know, the measurement is uh, one thing, but that's, to me, that's just the starting point. It's what you do with the information. You, you know, the, the value only starts to get created when you actually do something with the information. Whereas I think, um, you, you know, I've seen perhaps programs before, all of the focus has been on uh, gathering the information and reporting it, not necessarily doing something with it. So oh, that's yeah. certainly something that we're very passionate about. I love yeah. that action oriented. So yeah. many people get stuck in that measure phase and they yeah. can't see the yeah. hell out of it, right? They, it, it, Absolutely. But, so, so, okay, so I, I hear you've got success. I hear there's movement and action taking place. And as someone who's done this personally for other large companies, I know it's not an easy task. And I have to ask, because I keep hearing the word people multiple times, and you brought up a word in there that I want to press on just a little bit, leadership. Mm. So, and I think we all know where we're going because we talk about this all the time, but tell us a little bit about that role in leadership. What have they done to make this easier or harder? Um, But I think it's going to be easier. I have a feeling when it's working, it's working well because of a reason. But tell us a little bit about that leadership buy-in and support. Yeah, no, I think um, it, I mean, it really started from the outset of the project. Um, a lot of our leadership team and uh, key members of our business were involved. You know, it really started with a customer journey mapping process and really understanding, you know, uh, through the major, the four major customer journeys that somebody would experience with Wayjax. Um, you know, really involved from that kind of basic mapping and understanding, okay, what would create a positive and a negative experience? Um, so, so having that engagement early on in the kind of design and architecture and, and, and feedback on the program was important. But you, you know, you know, from a company perspective, um, you know, the, the focus on on the customer and customer satisfaction as a core value is something we talk a lot about within the business, both um, internally through some of the things that I talked about through town halls through continuous communication. Just before I got on this call, uh, we just published our monthly NPS results for uh, right across the business in October. uh, So we can kind of compare, um, you know, very easily where where people are. So that kind of constant communication and and alignment has been uh, uh, super important as we go on board. Uh, But then also externally, uh, you, you know, our net promoter score, you know, I know there's no hard and fast standard, and, and Adam and I have spoken about this before in terms of how how it's reported. But we certainly uh, communicate out our, our score and our annual report. We talk about our program, and we talk about lots of examples of where we where we've helped customers and uh, and the value that they derive of that. So so over time, it's just really become a um, a core part of the DNA of the business. So, so and I think a, it was always there. I, I think the program is just being a way to kind of, you know, tie a lot of those things that happened anyway. 
um, because of that, 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 that nature of the business to begin with. This episode of the Account Experience Podcast is sponsored by Customer Gauge, the leading B2B experience software that ties revenue to your experience data in real time to help you make better account-centric decisions that drive revenue growth. Quick question, what do you guys think is the number one reason B2B experience programs fail? Believe it or not, it's lack of C-suite buy-in. And in Customer Gauge's research with MIT, they found the quickest way to align yourselves with the C-suite is to actually align with what they care about most, which is revenue. That's why Customer Gauge is literally built from the ground up to maximize and track the revenue contribution from your experience program in real time. Companies like DHL, Anheuser-Busch, Heineken, uh, yeah, we get a good amount of free beer. One Login, Iron Mountain, H&R Block, Super Office, and Sugar CRM are already using Customer Gauge to maximize their growth by tying their programs to revenue. And with over $10 billion worth of account revenue actively being managed in Customer Gauge, yeah, that's billion with a B. They're by far the leaders in B2B for this type of thing. But maybe even more interesting, we found that once you get alignment with that C-suite, the needs of these B2B practitioners or the program champions are evolving too. In such a complex account environment, it can be really tough to measure and act on feedback quickly across multiple departments, divisions, or even locations. Luckily, Customer Gauge has you covered there as well. With account-native features that easily help you not only measure the feedback from multiple stakeholders in an account, but act on that feedback in real time. Because at the end of the day, if you're not empowering your frontline staff with the right insights to address customer issues, you're going to be dealing with a churn issue. It's not a matter of if, it's really a matter of when. Customer Gauge helps you distribute this experience data across your entire organization, regardless of department, regardless of location, regardless of division, all in real time. No manual spreadsheets or a big team of analysts are needed. Customer Gauge's goal is to help you create an entire company committed to best serving your accounts. And that's a powerful thing. If you want to see Customer Gauge in action, go ahead and check out customergauge.com and get a demo of account experience today. You won't regret it. So was it a bragging meeting? Did, did the scores, how'd you do? <laughs> Sorry, that. I was going to say the meeting that you're on right before this. So was it a bragging meeting? Did you have, were the results good? Yeah, no, I mean, our, our scores have, have continually improved in time again by focusing on, you know, those areas. Um, you know, I, I think, look, at the end of the day, you can't be everything to every everyone. And I think, you know, part of the power for us is, you know, not only do we do transactional surveying, but we also do relational surveying, focusing on, on customer drivers, you know, which has been really being led by, um, you know, the learnings from working with, with customer gauge, um, you know, and that's really kind of helps us to hone in on, you know, what our customers are telling us are the most important areas for them. So, you know, we're not going and focusing on things that perhaps customers don't value or aren't quite as important in the journey um, uh, to them. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, it's, it's sometimes quite hard to do, isn't it? It's very tempting to mm-hmm. try and solve yeah. it. You know, Justin, keeping a program alive is really hard over, over a series of years. And one of the things we like to, like to find out people is, is how they motivate people to do this. Of course, some people are using um, bonuses uh, to, to make this work. Maybe it's on, uh, you know, net promotion, that sort of stuff. Can you give a characteristic about, you know, how people on the front line, are they, are they, not, are they compensated for net promoter scores? 
No, we, we thought it was pretty important in our program um, not to necessarily tie uh, people's compensation to net promoter score. Nobody really wants to be in the position where, you know, a salesperson is perhaps applying pressure to a customer to score me a 10. Yeah. Um, so it is part of our executive compensation program for uh, some of the uh, uh, top managers within WageX, um, but it's not really driven down to the front line uh, to, to avoid some of the negative impacts of that. I think that's a really good organization, you know, so the, so, so you've got it being driven at the top line, so it keeps the focus on it. I just wanted to bring it up because Carrie and I did a recent podcast uh, all about the fighting the fear of feedback, and it's really about that. Right, okay. yeah. You don't want it to be, Carrie, you've nailed it. It's about weaponizing the net promoter score as a way of beating people up, and I think that's, um, that, that's it. Carrie, I know you're as interested about where programs are going, yeah, and I think, you know, again, being being someone that's been in a similar situation and run a program, I know that as great as we're doing, as much celebration there is, there's always that, that, that vision, okay, what's next? What's in store for our program? Or what would we like to get better at? So, Justin, tell us a little bit about, you know, or what do you feel comfortable with? What are some areas and what are some of the focuses that you and the team are working on? Yeah, I mean, I think from a very tactical level um, to start off with, then, you know, a key thing is um, continuing to make sure that we work on our response rates and making sure that the um, the coverage that we have um, in terms of our customer base, you know, continues to, um, uh, continues to grow over time. I, I think we have uh, very good coverage, but you can always uh, get better at that. As we look further into the future, I think there's really a couple of areas. Um, we want to kind of continue to utilize the tool in, in terms of expanding our key account program and, and getting into some of the things that I talked earlier around, you know, really just understanding some of those drivers and uh, within some of the complexities of uh, working with a very large customer and how do we positively influence more of that um, uh, uh, customers within a major account um, to, to be promoters uh, versus uh, detractors. And then I think, you know, as we go further forward, you know, one of the things that I've, I've always really liked about the Customer Gauge platform is the ability to kind of link um, uh, hypothetically um, increases in revenue uh, based on uh, moving the score over the time. So, uh, some of the uh, revenue simulation tools. That's how we get uh, back to the uh, what we were talking about earlier with, you know, what's the uh, average spend of a promoter versus a detractor and, and, and really trying to drive some of those models forward and get those uh, better dialed in. So those are some of the things that we're in our immediate horizon we're working on. Oh, it's really good to hear. I think that's that getting that value in front of people just just really works. Uh, however you do it, I, I think it's really good. Justin, thinking back over your last few years as you've driven the program, you know, I just want to say here you've now been promoted. You you are you now have people that run the program for you. Um, congratulations on that. What are some of the things that you learned personally on that journey? Yeah, no, I think um, I mean several things really. I mean, I think the you know the, co the communication and the alignment is just super important, and I think it's almost to the point of uh, over communicating what we're doing, making sure that there's understanding. Uh, you know, not really kind of resting on our laurels, making sure that we've got kind of got, you know, if you think you've communicated it too more, too many times, communicate it once more. Um, you know, really driving that understanding. 
Um, you, you know, we've really made sure that we don't just kind of train people once and walk away, but, you know, we're continually training teams. I think sharing successes, good and bad. Yeah. Um, and the bad ones are tough because I think, you know, sometimes there's a tendency, you know, in the, in the early days, perhaps, um, you know, when we're following up on that feedback and closing the loop for people to be kind of defensive. And, um, and, I, and I think, you know, over time we've been able to, uh, start to overcome that and, um, and make people realize that, you know, we're in the business of um, managing people's perceptions. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter what we think as an organization. It's really what our customers think because they make purchase decisions every day based on their perception of our performance. And, um, and so that's been kind of uh, super important as well. And then I think, um, you know, the other thing, you know, it's probably fairly unique for us. I mean, we have a very, very diverse uh, product range. Um, uh, most of the products, um, you know, extremely technical in nature. Um, you know, one of our competitive differentiators is really our expertise. And, um, you know, one of the areas that we're really trying to, you know, continue to focus on is, you know, how do you provide a consistent experience? You know, we talk about more than 100 locations, yeah. Yeah. 10 major product categories, everything ranging from, you know, very kind of um, uh, sophisticated million, multi-million dollar mining shovel uh, through to, you know, simple industrial supplies. Um, so how do you kind of consistently connect the customer with the right person that can help them quickly, efficiently, and to make sure that the person that you connect them with has, has the relevant expertise, and that's something that we continue to work on as well. I, I love that to, to hearing that. You know, and, and your your focus on people is is quite incredible. When you think, you know, again, if you look at the website, you've got these big machines on there, these big horny hmm. guys in hard hats, and you know, you, you, it's almost like we have feelings too. And I think it's really wonderful. You're, you're leveraging that to to really dig into it, and of course. You know, it is a people business where you are. You've got to Absolutely. rely on somebody to do that. I just also wanted to add one other thing. We gave uh, Waychex an award for follow-ups, and I just wanted to call that out. You know, you, as far as I can tell, you're still following up 100% of all your, your detractors. And I think- And that, passives, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I should have said that. And, that's, and that is a fantastic achievement. And I, um, I really, I think- You've really got a great template here that, that many other industrial companies can follow. You know, you really listen to the customers, you go back to them with the feedback, you measure it, you've brought everybody along and it's driven from the top. I don't know what you think, Kerry. It sounds like a pretty perfect program to me, don't you think? Yeah, and I see, you said industrial. I would say there's all kinds of companies out there, whatever industry you're in. There's some best practices there. And um, uh, again, Justin, just congratulations. I always love celebrating with you guys and hearing what you guys are doing. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today on the, on the Account Experience Podcast. I think you're a real exemplar of driving an account experience business. Thank you and best of luck in your new role. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoyed talking with you today.